Many veterinary professionals have experienced a working interview when they were applying for a job. But this week, we've got an expert to talk to us about the do's and don'ts of working interviews in the veterinary practice. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And one of the toughest topics that we all have to deal with in veterinary practice management is hiring folks. And one of the sort of tools that we have used historically is the working interview. Now, today we're going to talk about the cans, the cannots, the do's and the do nots of working interviews. And guys, we have got an expert that I am super excited to introduce to you today. But before we do all that introduction and working interview stuff. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, we have spoken multiple times about how to apply for a job, how to hire people, how to manage people, the roles and influences that we have in management. But what we haven't talked a lot about is the working interview. And and Becky, I mean, did you ever experience a a working interview? Um, And again, I know there's a broad definition, but when you were out there working in practice? Yeah, oh my gosh, every, I think, floor job I had, I had a working interview, which I think is part of why today's guests um opinion and um her output regarding this topic really enlightened me and kind of made me think like well, holy crap she's totally right and and I was just going with the flow so I'm beyond excited to t- have today's guest a self-proclaimed professional unicorn um but even more so now award-winning author a veterinary technician extraordinaire um emergency and critical care VTS from back you know when they first got established yeah, she has really yeah. been paving the way for technicians and now she's really paving the way for managers welcome Amy Newfield thanks so much for being here. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. And of course, I'm excited to talk about working interviews because you already know my opinion on it, but I can't wait to share it with others. Well, that's exactly right. The first time I heard your thoughts on a working interview, I guess I had never really questioned working interviews in general. And I think that was sort of the, the part that I appreciated was just like, whoa, I never even thought of this in a different way. So kind of, if you don't mind, kind of just give us your elevator pitch. Start us off for today. What do you think about working interviews and why? And we can kind of dive into the the rest of it. Yeah, give us a definition, right? Because I think that's also where a lot of the confusion began. So so in this today's conversation, what what do you define as a working interview? Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll start off by saying, much like Becky, I did many working interviews for pretty much every veterinary technician job I ever held. And so I went in, in scrubs, spent average of half a day to a full day physically working in a veterinary hospital. Most of them, I would go with 95% of them. I did not get paid. It was an expectation that if I wanted this job, I was going to show up. I was going to put my best foot forward and I was going to go ahead and perform the job of being a veterinary technician in this hospital that I had really no knowledge of. And then at the end of that, we were going to, uh, you know, have a conversation about whether or not they thought I was a good fit for the team. And I remember my longest working interview being eight hours. It was a full day and I did not pack a lunch. I kind of just assumed that maybe I would get fed or I would be able to take a break. But I worked like a veterinary technician, a full eight hours, seeing patients, 
handling patients, drawing blood and, and showing off my best skills in an effort to get a job. And so that's largely what most people define as a working interview. You show up in scrubs and you do the job of a veterinary technician or veterinary assistant. Okay, so Amy, as a practice owner and managing clinics over the last 30 years, I also used uh, these this tactic, right? So working. But here's where I've got a I got a question. Right now it seems like you're basing it around time because I honestly never had a working interview that lasted more than an hour and you're saying 4 hours, 8 hours, no breaks. I mean, so explain in the context for this today's conversation. I mean, is there a time limit that you're concerned about? I think it's more than just a time limit. So for me, there's a lot of legalities and concerns around the working interview itself. And, you know, we'll definitely dive into those. But you know, it is very interesting. As you said, for most veterinarians, they don't have working interviews. They come in, they interview for a position, they decide whether or not, you know, they need to come back, maybe spend some time at the hospital. But it goes beyond my concerns of just time. It actually goes beyond... Uh, uh, that because most of the time these are still actually unpaid, which is crazy to me. Um, and so at least in this country and in honestly most countries, it's illegal to not pay someone for working. I mean, when you think about it on just the very basic level, it just makes sense to say, hey, that doesn't make sense. So yeah. um and, and again, I mean, I'm, like this breaks my heart because this is not the intent and spirit of a working interview in any way, shape or form, as far as I am concerned, my definition, because the the idea was to get you in so you could be exposed to multiple tenants and different people, right? So you kind of see, so for you, the, the, uh, the prospective employee to see the job, right? Not do the job. And that's why, wow, this is baffling. Be Becky, I mean, where did you sit on this, right? I mean- Yeah, so obviously- I can see where you would say that is quote unquote the intent, but it is the only profession I have ever heard this being done. And there's no veterinarian who's out there doing it. So to say that it's for the benefit of the technician or the, the assistant being onboarded is, I don't know, like if that is it, it, surely in your case, it was the intent, but is that actually what's being accomplished? And why is there a double standard between the veterinary technicians and the veterinarian? In my experience, and I would argue most experience, Experiences, I would I would say this is a half day at the least. And I have, in my experience, had to self-advocate and say, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to work here all day for you for free. I don't have more than a half a day to give you. And part of that is, is when we look at the majority of clinics and the norm in clinics, people aren't getting lunches. They aren't getting breaks. And there's no clean breakaway. <laughs> and in my experience, the office manager's like, great, great talking to you. Here you go. You're in the back. Some assistant or, or technician who didn't know you were coming is now in charge of you. And off you go. It is super unregulated and it ends up being something that gets I feel in my experience has been uncomfortable to where you're like okay well now when can I leave and I've pretty much just had to say like okay well that that's about it for me today I, I need to hit the road <laughs> there's really no structure um and 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 the thing that really kind of occurred to me the most is this is the only place we're doing this there is literally RNs are not going to hospitals and working for a half a day. Therapists are not going into a clinic and working for a half a day. EMS are not riding along in ambulances for half a day. Police officers are not out, you know, walking the beat for a half a day. It's the only time. And it is truly, I think, if we're being honest, to decide if that person has the skill set that you need or not. 
Yeah. And uh, Becky, I love everything that you said. The other component of obviously being illegal in not paying somebody. And it, it and I've been in that awkward situation where you're like, am I done now? Am I just going to yeah. stay all day? It's very weird. <laughs> it's the liability factor. All the right. professions you just listed. Could you imagine having an uninsured individual, you know, being and working as a police officer no. on the streets? It's crazy when you think crazy. about it. Completely crazy. And again, Amy, here's where there's a, this is disappointing on so many levels because the idea, and Becky, I'm going to staunchly defend my position on this. The idea is for you to observe the work, not do the work. So Amy, again, do you have a problem with, uh, and they do this in all professions, and, and I'll be honest with you, I mean, this is not just unique to vet to come in and have the opportunity to observe the workplace. Do you have a a problem with that? Not do the work, come in for 30 minutes, an hour, whatever you want. I mean, again, I think there needs to be structure, but that's not a working interview in my opinion. That's really, you see where I'm struggling with this as, as an owner. I totally see where you're struggling with it. And no, I do not have a problem, but we need to change the terminology. We have these old fashioned working interviews. And at this point, you know, I've not only been on working interviews, but I've actually conducted them in my younger, you know, managerial roles. I actually was the person who tortured people for zero (laughs) dollars by having them come in, prove themselves in a high stress environment and quiz these people on their skills and knowledge. And I look back and just thought, this doesn't make any sense. And I don't remember right. at what point as as one of my management roles that I just thought, this literally makes no sense. Because to me, I look at like, am I getting a return on investment? Here's somebody that is spending you know, their time, four to eight hours minimally in my hospital. What are they getting out of it? And what am I getting right. out of it? And right. if I thought every single time I was going to hire the best employee candidate, then maybe the return on investment is okay for me. Obviously, we'd have to pay that person. But instead, I found myself just wasting my time because inevitably that working interview still only gives you a very small snapshot of what that person can do in your hospital. And there's a lot of factors in that day that could unfortunately take away from that person's skills or knowledge. And so, you know, I love observation time. I think you're absolutely right. We want, Ernie, you got to have them come in and see your practice and they need to feel comfortable. Is this a workplace I want to be part of, but also have them meet the team. So the team knows is it's going to be a good fit. I think about how many times I see on different veterinary forums and and pages where people will say they bring, they don't know what to wear to an interview because they're expected to be put to work partway through their, their interview and how frequently they put scrubs in the car or bring scrubs in the car in case they're asked to work on an interview completely unprepared. Um, that that's just sort of the mental state of what we think we're going to do or the expectation from history. Yeah. And, and Amy, again, uh, my apologies, you know, from the profession, because this is, again, we've covered this. You know, I, In fact, one of my very first books, Creating the Veterinary Experience, it came out in 1998, 99. You know, I talk about the hiring process and talk about this exact issue and not working, but observing and, and again, letting the team hire and all that stuff. So, so again, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> we should have fixed this a long time ago. So right now, what is the current state? Is this still happening the way you describe it? Like, on the daily, like uh, literally are vet techs being asked to come in and work four hours, eight hours, do the work. Is that happening right now? 
Yeah. I mean, as Becky <sighs> just described, it is. If you are on social media at all, you will see these horror stories and of these veterinary technicians and veterinary assistants who are going into interviews. They don't know, again, whether or not should they bring scrubs, should they wear scrubs, will they just get thrown into a working interview wow. during this first part? Like, what should they expect? And so this is very much, I would still consider it the norm. Becky, do you still think it's a norm in veterinary medicine? 100%. And wow. and I and I think that because, and I'm just like, as it's yeah, going to yeah. sound like an unhumble brag, as somebody <laughs> I think has a pretty decent pulse on the industry, I was blindsided by your thoughts on this. I mean, yeah. blindsided, which says to me, I have never seen, heard, or been introduced to any other possibility in my 15 years in as a credential technician working in hospitals ever seen anything different. So, like, I think I, I want to say it's so ingrained in our culture that it, it blew my mind that it was even an idea that we shouldn't be doing this and then that I hadn't thought about the fact that we shouldn't be doing this. Okay, so Amy, you've heard my side of the story. Of course, we've heard your side of the story. Talk to us about the solution, right? Because I, I agree with you. I think the nomenclature, the terminology is probably where there's a bit of a hang up because I, I got to be honest with you, we still talk about, we talk about working interviews, but our definition is very different than what most folks are encountering in the real world. So what, what should a veterinary technician expect and I would argue demand? Yeah. So the reason why working interviews are still so popular to this day is because we often hear people saying, well, there's a huge skill range of veterinary technicians, right? And I'm going to put bunny ears around the word veterinary technicians because right. unfortunately there's a still a high percentage of people who put everybody vet assistants who are non-credentialed and credentialed all into the one bucket of veterinary technicians. We do need to separate them out. And so we, we absolutely have employers who are saying, well, how am I going to know their skill level? And I'm like Becky, I'm just going to pause and say, you know, it is a little bit one-sided that we're doing these working interviews. There's a huge skill set when it comes to veterinarians. I mean, we have veterinarians who are great at doing surgery, and we have some that you would never want to have them touch your own pet Absolutely. with a 10-foot pole. Um, we've got some who are brilliant clinicians and some who cannot struggle to diagnose a bloat. And so we have to recognize that there's a variety of skill set in both of these sectors of veterinary medicine, but we treat the one as if, you know, oh, we they have to prove themselves. They have to showcase. I, you know, and again, when we think about working interviews just on the surface level, wouldn't it be interesting if we had veterinarians doing working interviews in the same style vet techs are, which is they come in and they do spays and neuters for a day for free. Wouldn't that be fun? Clients <laughs> would love it. <laughs> I have this person I'm interviewing. Do you mind if they spay your dog? We have no insurance on them. You've cool with that. Um, so <laughs> and, and we're going to need to see how well they actually can do. We can't guarantee you they even know what they're doing. But it should be fine. Yep. <laughs> this is brutal. I love it. I love it. But it's so it's so true. I, I, t I totally am on board with that. Okay. But but get Becky, Becky, what should they expect? I mean, because I want to give that prospective employee a chance to go and peek behind the curtain, metaphorically speaking, and go and see, do we walk the talk? So, okay, a couple things. First, for, for 2023, I think I move, you know, I think I've emphasized enough that we're not a consolation prize. I think right. my new tagline for 2023 this year is going to be, we're a profession, not a position. Ooh. Okay. Oh, and so I that like. means if, if you 
if you understand us as a profession, what we are trained to do in school and what inherently our skill set should be coming out of school, it's not an auditionable skill set. Like, like Amy said, we hire veterinarians. I can remember uh, the first time I worked with a baby vet at an ER and a dog came in coded and she threw up her hands and said, I don't remember how to do CPR. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. not a working oh, wow. interview, full on employee. So it's like that. that is the nature of hiring people, right? That's why you do reference yeah. checks. That's why you ask the questions. That's why you do good interviewing. Yes. Now, peeking behind the curtains, I'm like, yep, it's like a date. Anybody can behave themselves for six or eight hours, right? Anybody can be on their best. Be- I mean, my husband had no idea what he was getting into. <laughs> 12 years later, I think he would tell you, like, I don't remember any of this from our first date. Um, so I think that, and we've talked about this so many times, I can tell in 10 minutes what the culture of a clinic is. I can tell if you're laughing. I can tell when I walk in the back if you look me in the eyes or if you avoid eye contact. It does not take long for me to realize um, what that culture looks like in the clinic. And that is also why there are 90-day probationary periods. That's why there's other ways of handling new hires um, than for me to come in and work for you for free. Yeah. And I'll second that. And Becky, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Um, I also hate the term probationary period. And so I think we have to get away from that as well, because it's pretty unwelcoming for our new hires. They come into our hospital. We've already put them on probation. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, federal, federal, federal government employee over here, uh, household. <laughs> it's, it's a strict thing. But no, you're exactly, what do you call them? Grace periods? What terminology do you like? Because I, I agree. Orientation period orientation period. This is 90 days for us of the hospital to orient you to the clinic. And so, but we call them probationary periods because we just immediately assume the person's going to be terrible. So we put them on probation. (laughs) Congratulations on your brand new job. You're on probation on day one. Um, So I love to, I would love to get away from that terminology. So I think, you know, like Becky said, as you get to be a more skilled interviewer, you get to figure out what qualities and traits really are standout that are really going to help to highlight your hospital and, and add value to that your actual clinic. But I think, again, I hear that question of from a lot of employers, but how am I supposed to test their skill set? You can do that by having a written test. And trust me, you know, I work, obviously, I wear an emergency cap because I'm a VTS in emergency. But um, I, once I got away from working interviews, I had a 25, it was only 25 questions. They had to put their cell phone on the other end of the table. It was not timed. They could spend as much as they wanted. I gave them a heads up that this was happening so that they weren't have a shock and awe type of thing where they sat down and had to take this exam. Um, And it just gave me a general idea. For example, it talked about what is a normal value of a dog's resting heart rate in a hospital? What's a normal cat's resting heart rate? And then it asked, Tell me about a normal potassium level. What is a normal potassium? What is hyperkalemia? Can you define what is an AA gradient? And I'll tell you, if they got that last question, you already knew they probably were a VTS. They knew exactly what they were talking about. And so if they couldn't get the beginning parts of those questions of like what is normal in a dog or cat, then I know that their skill level is at a certain level that may not be something that I'm looking for for that hospital. We can test knowledge way better than I think we can do on a working interview. I want to I want to talk about this a little bit here because you're talking about knowledge and skills 
separately and then together again. So they're kind of they're kind of coming in and out of each other. And I think this is important because it's an opportunity. See, this is why I need to go into law because it's an opportunity to to have the veterinarians sort of look at their own words because they're saying, how can I test their skills? Right. But these are the same veterinarians who will argue an on the job trained employee is yeah, good point. capable of being a veterinary technician because they teach them the skills. So what you're telling me, our skills are teachable. Knowledge is the real foundation of what I need to know about my new employees, because you've already made it clear just about anybody can be taught a skill. So I love the idea of assessing. I have test anxiety, so I go with assessing because test just immediately makes my heart rate go through the roof. Assessment skill, assessment, assess, goodness, assessing the knowledge base, because when they have a clear understanding, if you've gone so far as to learn potassium values and you really truly have an understanding of those critical values and the norms in the hospital setting well gosh i can just teach the skills can i yeah i mean becky nail on head like oh my gosh that was like a mic drop moment right there honestly yeah a hundred percent to your point a large percentage of what we do and that includes in both veterinarians as well as technicians you can train that i mean you know, your veterinarian who's struggling with surgery, you can train those skills to be better surgical skills, but the knowledge is the hard part to teach. And so I would much rather someone comes in with a, hey, I know fluid therapy and I know, you know, normal vitals on animals and I can tell you if something's crashing and I know how to do CPR. And I know that because I've assessed them on an assessment. (laughs) And yeah, yeah, I think that that to us, then we can go for skills. And there's never going to be a perfect way to interview someone to ensure that that person's going to be the best fit, have the best knowledge and the best skills. That's just not going to exist. But I think we can take out the liability, the shaming of who you are as a veterinary technician and veterinary assistant during the interview process by introducing them to our hospital. And Ernie, I absolutely love observing. Come in. We want you to observe. I don't want you to show up in scrubs. I'm going to tell you right now, when you tell a technician or an assistant, like, I don't want you to show up in scrubs. We want to just have you observe our hospital. Come during lunch. We'll buy you lunch. Meet the team. See us for a couple hours. You're going to shock most of the vet techs and assistants who are going to be like, are you sure you don't want me to show up in scrubs? Because I feel like I got to do something. (laughs) You've already told us what your clinic culture is in in that response right there. That alone creates the foundation of the clinic culture, which I think I I think it's incredibly important. And the other thing, too, is while I know we can teach and enhance skills, I think that deciding the next team member based on skill, you know, it we really truly need to look at their ability to critically think, to get along as a team, to listen, um, to observe. And so I think th- some of those things are less teachable and much more important. Yeah. And Amy, I think too, for us, and again, this is, this is one of those conversations, Becky, that we've had so many times over the last six and a half years that it's disappointing because, you know, I feel like we've covered this territory. You know, I've written about it, lectured about it, and yet we're still fighting it. So I appreciate, Amy, you taking the mantle uh, forward from here. But, you know, the other thing too, Amy, that I, I really want to emphasize is the fact that we also re- relied heavily on the personality traits of the individual to assimilate within a team and to work in a collaborative fashion, right? So skills and knowledge were completely separate because we felt like, hey, was this a good fit 
you know, personality exactly. wise, right? Yeah. And, and I, that's where this whole come in, hang out, watch, see what we do. And, and again, you know, I wanted to, to as much demonstrate to them that we were for real as maybe let them demonstrate to us that, you know, they were serious about the job. So, I, I mean, I love the fact but that, and, and let me tell you too, as a person who conducted monthly staff testing, <laughs> which always went over like a lead balloon <laughs> in those lectures, I can only imagine how your test during an interview process is met because I'm sure a lot of people are like, uh-uh. But, um, but how can we assess the personality traits and whether or not they're going to actually integrate within the team successfully and work well with others? I love that question. So I hate when an employer says to me, I need you to take a personality test because immediately I think <laughs> yeah, yeah. you are going to pigeonhole me into something. You don't know me. The stupid test isn't going to tell you. That might be the personality test right there, Amy. Like we might know <laughs> the, the way one reacts to a personality test likely is yeah, some kind yeah. of personality. <laughs> yeah. and, but I will tell you, when you answer them truthfully, honestly, you can get a good bit of information yeah. and knowledge from that person. And I think, you know, there's plenty of, of wonderful online and even free personality tests out there. That's a way that we can kind of look more towards those soft skills and recognize that there's probably not one perfect personality that we're looking for to our hospital, but someone's going to come in with some really great soft skills and someone always is going to come in that same person with skills that we need to help coach and mold and help mentor a little bit better. And that's going to help us as their manager or the supervisor to do that moving forward with that employee. It doesn't mean you shouldn't hire them. It just means, Hey, now I know a little bit about you so I can be a better coach to you. In my, in my experience, experience consulting and teaching um, and managing, I also find that this helps me pair them up with an individual for training. Yeah, I right. it, it helps me um, look at shifts. It helps me look at shift leads. Oh, just it helps me know my employees better, so I can set them up for success. Because if I know your learning style and is is going to be like your auditory, and you really need to hear and be involved, I'm not going to stick you with my biggest introvert who's not going to be able to give you all of that verbal feedback. That you need. So I love the personality assessments. I think they can help us create really strong, good teams. And I think they help us learn about our team members and they can be framed that way. So I really love that that is, is part of it as well. Do you have any ones in particular you like and suggest? Because it's getting out of control. I don't, I, I'm on color wheels. I've got 16 personalities. I just, I don't know which ones to go with anymore. What do you love, Amy? Um, so for me, I really do love Myers-Briggs and, uh, you just called out the website. It's one six personalities.com. It's been around for a while. I mean, that website has morphed and changed and gotten more colorful and creative. They have cute little figures and they have cute little names now with yeah. the 16 personalities. It's easy. I think for people, because it talks about introverted versus extroverted, like their characteristics yeah. that we can all relate to. Um, and uh, you know, personally, I know also a lot of people really love disc testing. And then there's, of course, Caliper, a lot of other more kind of, um, you know, more robust personality tests. But uh, Myers-Briggs is easy. Yeah. And, and Amy, I, I always liked Myers-Briggs. My wife, Laura, likes strengths assessment. So again, you kind of, there's no right or wrong answer. There's, yeah. there's yours. So in the last few minutes that we have today, I'd like to get your advice on that veterinary technician out there who's listening today, and they are about to enter into a job hiring process. And inevitably, the manager or the owner says, hey, would you like to come in and do a working interview? How can they politely respond so that they say this is maybe inappropriate? 
or at least set the boundaries. <laughs> yeah, this is a hard one because a lot of times when you're asked to do an interview, a working interview, there's many times where it's a job you really are excited about. You really think this is going to be a good clinic and that clinic just isn't educated on, you know, actual laws of employment. And so right. they'll say to you, hey, I want you to come in for a working interview. I definitely advocate for yourself. One, ask if you're getting paid. Minimally, they do need to pay you the minimum wage, which means now you are an employee of the hospital, which covers you for liability. A lot of things that people do not think about is when you're doing these unpaid working interviews, if you are bit or injured or catch a zoonotic disease, guess it's what? It's on you. It's, it's on you. Yeah, yeah, you just got bitten by a cat and that Im potential employer, they owe you nothing. And so you could be out for hand surgery. You could have been, you know, let's just say I know a, a veterinarian who unfortunately had their bone broken by a mastiff. Like you can have some wow. pretty horrible things. And so in that, in that time, just say, hey, are you going to pay me? Do express your concern about liability to say, hey, I'm not planning on being injured, but because I'm not getting paid, I am concerned that you know, I could be injured on the job, kind of gently coach them on actual legal <laughs> ramifications of having these working interviews. If it's a job you really want to do, um, you know, I would also make sure that you find out how long you're going to be there hold them to that, express to them that, okay, I know I'm going to be there for four hours. So I'm planning on leaving at four hours. I have other plans so that they're not thinking that you're going to stay. Um, it is a tough one because it's such a norm in veterinary medicine. And to say no to working interview potentially means you're saying no to that job. These people, you know, they, this is how they've interviewed for, you know, the dawn of time. And it's hard for a potential employee to, to educate them on the fact that what they're doing is illegal, both morally and ethically and also by law. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a hard one for sure. I know if I was young and really wanted that job and this, I thought was going to be a great opportunity, even if I knew it was illegal, I'd probably still do the working interview. I don't know if Becky feels the same way, but. Absolutely. Because that's sort of the, the pickle that we're in, right? Is that I really, I don't want to exclude myself from this position. And I guess in my experience, it's mostly being really honest and just saying, you know, I learned at my last position that working interviews create some liability conflict. And I just want to double check with you guys um, because I learned better. So I try to do better. And so you have an opportunity to set yourself up to say, I'm learning, you know, use really, you know, positive language around it. I'm really excited to learn more about this position. Um, here's what I've learned about working interviews. Can you give me a little more information about your structure? Doesn't sound like a, a ultimatum. It just is sort of like a, let me learn more so that we both can be successful. But it's a tricky one. If they flat out said no, I would ask, how do you handle liabilities if anything happens to me while I'm here? If if they are not open to that, they're probably not the clinic you want to land at anyway. Like even if you think you really want the job, if they're not willing to consider your safety and liability laws, <laughs> then they might not be the place you you really think they are. Yeah. And and I guys, I, I agree with everything that these uh, two wonderful women have said, but I would also add another layer to it. Let's say they say, hey, Amy, you know, uh, we'd like to, we really like what we're seeing and hearing, and we'd like for you to come in and do a working interview. You know, can you be available next Tuesday? Um, you know, come in your scrubs. Maybe spin and say, hey, you know what? That sounds wonderful. You know, I'm also really excited about this opportunity. I'd love to get to meet more of the team. Uh, tell you what, how about, uh, you know, we come in, we arrange a time for an hour for me to observe like the treatment area, the surgery or whatever. Um, and that way you're kind of saying, 
hey, I'm excited. Hey, I get it. I want to observe you're establishing boundaries of time and scope of work, quote unquote, <laughs> you know. But uh, Amy, I, I think, again, you're going to have to assert your rights as a prospective employee and acknowledge that, hey, this is not appropriate, right? And in a polite and civil fashion. Hopefully that helped a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I like what both of you have said, which is being polite and civil because you're walking that fine line of potentially giving up a job. I would advise against what you're doing is illegal and I'm going to report you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Probably stay away from that one. Unless you really didn't want the job, then go ahead. But um, yeah, if it's a job you you want, then you have to walk that fine line and just try to educate them. Ask a lot of open-ended questions. Get them to talk to you about their rationale. Maybe, you know, you'll end up changing their mind because you'll leave them with some thoughts to say, wait, what does happen if somebody gets injured while I, while they're working here and we're not paying them? What does that look like from our perspective? Um, and hopefully that'll make the change in that hospital. That's so necessary. Because what I think we know is that in my experience, anyway, the majority of managers out there are folks who started on the floor and work their way up and they're replicating what they know. That's all so they know. Yep. That's all they know. And and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just when you know better, do better. So I I think it is an important conversation to bring up. And I am grateful that Amy brought it up and um, through her veterinary team training, used her platform to put this information out there um, so that I could learn and do better. And, and then, you know, in turn, use our platform to try to do this because Actually, this one's really, really important. So I'm excited to hear what folks out there have to say about this one. That's right, Amy. Where can they go to learn more about you and working interviews and all the other stuff that you're up to? Yeah, so I have a website, vetteamtraining.com. They can go check it out. Uh, My vlogs and podcasts and all that are up there. So um, I'm always trying to just educate. And to Becky's point, you know, uh, once you know better, do better type of thing. So uh, again, as I said, I was definitely the person who uh, participated in working interviews. And I actually required people to do working interviews. And I completely changed my entire mentality, I think, because I just started looking at it from an analytical perspective and was like, what am I doing? This doesn't make any sense. And then realizing what I was doing was completely illegal and I needed to change that. So, yeah. And that's and that's a a great way to segue because you could almost say, oops, to that. Where can they find your Oops series of books, um, which are are great and now award-winning? So just take a quick second to tell folks where they can learn more. Yes, they are on Amazon, and that's international Amazon sites as well. You can just Google, oops, I became a manager, oops, my team is toxic. And yes, my first book, Oops, I Became a Manager, has picked up its second award, so I'm very excited about that. Cue background cheers. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Well, Viewfinders, what do you think about working interviews? Have you ever been asked to do a working interview? Have you done working interviews? And more importantly, do you still ask others to do them for you? We'd really like to hear your opinions on this. Becky, where can they share their opinions with us? You can reach out to us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. It is our opinion to no longer participate in the Twitter for now. (laughs) So you can send us an email at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. Thanks again to Amy Newfield for joining us. Viewfinders, we will talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.